Cloud Break, Chapter 1, The Seekers No one knows exactly how long it has been since the Great War. Some say a thousand years, and others think it has been much, much longer. But all of the legends say that it was that terrible war, a war that eventually pulled all of humanity into its deadly current and split the world into two bitterly hostile camps that ultimately made the oceans rise so that they covered the whole of the earth. How harrowing and bitter those early years, decades, centuries would have been to suddenly find the ground literally disappear from under your feet, to be forced to begin again on what might as well be a different planet a planet of raging seas, of searing heat and constant cloud and storm. Alas, this great catastrophe did not bring humanity together, it drove it further apart. The Northern Alliance took to the sky. As the waters rose, they used their superior technology and resources to build the great city-states of the clouds. The Southern Communitas constructed a network of submersed villages along the fault zones they relied upon for their thermal energy. If it had not been for one small detail, these two estranged halves of the human family, which we now of course know simply as the sky people and the sea folk, might have lived peacefully at great remove from one another. But everyone needs to eat and the primary food source in this brave new world were the intermittent, unpredictable algal blooms that appeared on the water's surface in the rare event of a cloud break. This precipitated the emergence of the seekers. Life or death depended on detecting these algal blooms and detecting them before anyone else. Every city-state and every village's existence perched on a razor's edge, and they trained their most sensitive, talented young people to venture out into the tempestuous world in the hope of reading the signs that pointed to an impending algal bloom. Survival of the community depended on the skill and good fortune of their seekers. As you might imagine, the seekers of the sky and sea peoples were quite different. The sea folk, living in complete darkness at the bottom of the great ocean, gradually lost their sight nearly entirely. They relied upon their acutely developed senses of hearing, touch, and intuition. The humpback whale, one of the few creatures to survive the great upheaval and a sacred animal of the sea folk, was also believed to guide their seekers to developing blooms. The sky people, in stark contrast, developed very keen sight but lost their hearing entirely from the constant, violent wail of the winds. The sky people were technologically ingenious, and they developed all manner of machines to help them harvest the sun's energy, detect subtle shifts in the weather, and constantly patrol the clouds for indicators of an impending bloom. A proud, fierce, and brutally competitive people, the city-states of the sky people were in constant conflict with one another, although they were united in their disdain for the sea folk. In the old days, the central ritual of the sky people was the great annual whale hunt, 
which had the dual purpose of providing valuable food and oil, while antagonizing the more peaceful sea folk. But the humpback had long been hunted nearly to extinction. At the time of our story, the great hunting festival was held every ten years, and often the sky hunters came up empty-handed. The sky people seekers of the old days rode atop the great Uberian albatross, although by the time of our story, sky seekers increasingly used nimble, swift aircraft called swallows to ceaselessly ply the ocean's surface for any sign of a coming bloom. The seekers of the sea folk, by contrast, wore special suits with sophisticated propulsion devices. The suits were marvels of efficiency and flexibility, and a sea seeker could survive self-contained for weeks on end. Life had never been easy for these two very distinct peoples, but it got increasingly precarious as the algal blooms upon which everyone depended for sustenance became ever more infrequent and unpredictable. The sea folk intuitively linked the decline in blooms to the decimation of the sacred humpbacks, although only now are we beginning to understand how the whale's behavior impacted the blooms. The job of the seeker became increasingly dangerous. Seekers of the sky and sea ventured further and further afield in search of developing blooms, and the competition was such that seekers now had to defend any promising find against other seekers until the harvesting craft with their great algae hoses were dispatched. In times past, the relative abundance of blooms meant that there was generally enough to go around, and a fragile peace existed while the tankers of sea and sky filled their holes. Now the blooms were so small and disappeared so quickly that two seekers might fight to the death over a bloom that would disappear before the harvest craft had even arrived. Furthermore, more and more of the blooms were developing around what was simply known as the Great Storm, a massive and impenetrable pillar of wind and whirlpool that spanned hundreds of miles and stretched from the bottom of the ocean to the upper atmosphere. The great storm had steadily grown in size and ferocity over the centuries, and anyone who ventured too close was never heard from again. This was the general state of affairs on our planet when our story begins. Cloudbreak is written and performed by me, Charles Morse, and was created in collaboration with Elena Russell.